Episode 2, Horseshoes in Habitual Drowning. Welcome to episode two of the Adventures in Lollygagging podcast. This is an actual play RPG podcast using the Zweihander RPG system. It's a D100 system. Uh, it's pretty nice. It's pretty cool. Uh, it's done by Grim Parallel Studios, who are completely and totally unaffiliated with us. And after listening to us, we'll probably want to stay that way. Uh, so uh, we're going to talk a little bit about our characters really quickly here. There's six people at the table. We've only had episode one so far. So just... Just to familiarize the listeners with the sound of the, the person's voice who's playing each character, we're just going to go around really quickly. So give us your real name, give us your character name, and then like describe your character in four words or fewer. So starting on my left, Melissa. Hi, I'm Melissa, and my character name is Zofia. She is a pale, frail, female boatman. I feel like you were planning that ahead of time, like because I mentioned like the, I, mentioned the, I mentioned the forward thing. Like, I, was, I, was, like, I shouldn't have said anything. I should have just made it. Yeah, shouldn't have made a surprise. All right, go ahead. Next, I'm Ashley. I'm playing Emily, uh, and she is super awkward and hits on everyone. Okay, right. I like how like the whole missing hand thing wasn't even part of that. That was awesome. Yeah. Okay, I'm Keith, and I'm playing a Bruno, everyone's favorite fat man. Okay, I'm Walk. Do we have a least favorite fat man in the group? Not yet. Yeah. Not oh yeah, yet. it's true. It's true. It's still time. Long here, and I'm playing Trovi. Just remember, my eyes are down here because I'm really short. <laughs> Look at this guy. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. All right. Next. Now, uh, I'm Josh. I'll be playing Bayer. He's pretty much a big burly boy. <laughs> I am Dustin, and I'm playing Irwin, and uh, he ranges from very humble to uh, very arrogant, depending upon if he's. Uh, you know, succeeding or not. Okay. Okay. That's so like if he's, if he's succeeding, I think is, is he more humble or is he more arrogant? He gets more arrogant as okay. he succeeds. All right. All right. I will hold you to that. Uh, okay. So um, we've had one episode so far. What do we remember from that first episode? I'm Everyone drunk. Got drunk? Yeah. Everyone got drunk. Yeah. It was yeah. really <laughs> a crocodile. Classic yes. start to any. Croc- crocodiles was like session zero off, off air. Was right? it? Oh, yeah. That was the crocodile stuff was off air. But yeah, like at, at a certain point we were doing a bunch of session zeros to kind of get a hang for the rules and get a hang for our characters and they fought a crocodile. Bear got bit in the ass. It was great. Mm. Uh, but yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's true. Trovi almost died. <laughs> But uh, so everyone got drunk, but prior to getting drunk, because getting drunk intoxicated really bad. That happened at the end. We had a bunch of critical fails. So everyone just like drank a beer and then just completely slammed their head against the table. What do we remember about what happened beforehand? Remember anything? Bruno. Go ahead. We weren't getting jobs. Right. And then we got a job. Yeah, then you got a job. So so uh, the podcast itself if this is the first time listening we play in a fairly uh, fairly traditional kind of mid- middle ages medieval kind of on the on the cusp of renaissance uh, uh era um we play within a, a country called the rhine monarchy and the the campaign started in a port town called weishaven and the only person at this table who was actually from was bruno so keith's character bruno is actually a native uh, but everybody else has been in weishaven for some time because it's actually been a good source of work for them but after kind of screwing up a job at some point in the past, maybe we'll hear more about in the future. Uh, but they uh, they kind of got frozen out of some gigs. Uh, but but fortunately, through Bruno's uh, 
So through Bruno's time in Vice Haven, he was able to kind of get everybody a job. Uh, do we remember what that job was and who that was for? That's for Master Zeiger. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you remember yeah. his first name? Master. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Right. Absolutely. That's the, sure. Yeah. Okay. But no, you got Zyger. That's really good. Okay. So we got a job from Master Zyger. Do you remember what that job was? Uh, we're going to go get his children from mm-hmm. Bayer's Wall. Mm-hmm. And I'm. Bear's Wall? Wait, what? I don't know what the hell you're talking about, Bear. That's Bear over there. There's a wall. I, I'm thinking one? of Josh. This is awkward. Yeah. Uh, no, not from there. Uh, from a place called... Does anyone know the place? Anyone know the place? Anyone know the place? Foresting Group. Okay. So there's like no bonus reward points going out right now. Uh, this is so embarrassing. Uh, but you're... Yeah. So you guys you guys are trying to go investigate uh, his missing son, right? He had a mm-hmm. missing son because got a, he got a letter from his daughter. Uh, who described how her brother had gone missing from a place called Bachman's Ruin. What do we know? What have we, what have we learned or remember about that place? Do we, anybody know? It's, it's a colony. Yeah, it's a colony. Definitely not a lake. What kind of colony penal is it? Colony. It's a penal colony. <laughs> yeah, so it's a place... Oh, John. Jesus, <laughs> come on. Uh, a penal colony as in it's a place where like debtors... Uh, like It's a prison colony, basically. Mm-hmm. It's where people who have, uh, who have accrued so much debt that they're in trouble now and they're working off that debt or it might be people who are political dissidents or exiles, something like that. Uh, and so they were sent there for reasons that you tried to investigate but failed uh, because your personal skills are terrible. Uh, but yeah, you asked around town, didn't really get a whole lot about it. Maybe it's just because it's quiet, maybe because it wasn't well known, but yeah. So so Harold Zeiger via Bruno kind of calls you all in. Um, do we remember anything about uh, his his home or anything about him particularly or anything about maybe the letter or anything like that? It that, was very empty. There wasn't a lot of furniture. Right. There were a lot of rooms that weren't used. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had a feel of, of a person who was either either in transient, like maybe they're moving or not moving, or maybe someone who just was like selling off all their things, right? Okay. He has a gnomish butler named Walter. Yeah. He is pretty useless. Yeah, yeah he was we pretty didn't useless. ask for his name. Yeah. So we didn't really care. He brought you a cheese plate. So no, I feel. No, he's just didn't. beer. Oh, that's right. He should, have brought this <laughs> he should have brought you a cheese plate, is really what he did. But they didn't, they couldn't afford cheese. That's true. It was a bunch of that like yellowish American cheese. <laughs> <laughs> just like the completely, completely, yeah, just craft slices. It made no sense for the world, but that's what it was. Would have been happy if you brought cheese. Okay. So then being the upstanding, excellent citizens that you are, you. Uh, you went around town started to prep you learned a little bit about the route that you're gonna have to take because there's a little bit of overland travel that we're gonna get to in a minute uh and uh you know you you had a drink or two or ten and uh many of you ended up uh shall we say intoxicated uh, which is a is an official kind of condition uh, for the game so if i recall correctly and you all you all can correct me if i'm wrong i believe zofia critical failed her her toughness test for intoxication first one yeah very first one i think bear critically failed as well yeah i remember i rolled a 99 yeah 99 <laughs> classic uh so the two of you immediately after i think it was just i don't even think you drank i think you just sniffed the booze and you were out <laughs> you're such lightweights uh which is strange because bear's probably next to bruno probably the biggest one among you um and then a couple others i think maybe critical failed i think emily you critical failed on the second hour of drinking i failed on the first one it just wasn't a yeah you just fail. got a i took i took one yeah. drink i'm just like uh that's so I, too much if i recall and i again i could be wrong i think bruno and chovy the only ones who kind of made it out relatively oh there's no way i passed like the third or second round no, he, i failed he, those as well he, uh, weren't you using like yeah, i was re- using the fate points, re- like points. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fortune points fortune points yeah using fortune points over and over again so really 
when the next day came around and you all wandered over, because you had promised uh, Mr. Master Harold Zeiger, is his name, uh, that you would all meet back at his place the next day and, uh, and and begin your journey after getting some supplies that he had offered, you know, he had offered to pay for, pay for if you invoice them. Um, you all went over to his place the next morning, completely and utterly drunk. Some of you incapacitated, uh, which doesn't mean that you're unable to move. It just means you're unable to pass any skill tests. Uh, and you can't recover your peril for like 24 hours. Uh, so, yeah, have fun with that. So, really, Bruno is the only one who's functional, uh, which is pretty funny because the, the player is not as functional today. Because he just – didn't you just have a – what was it again? You had a Rukana? Yes. Yeah, Rukana. So, anyway, the only person who is actually capable of really having a conversation uh, was Bruno. And you all collected uh, collected the very things that you need, got your, got your goods together, stacked up various rations and stuff, and uh, piled them onto a cart uh, you were given a kind of a gray dray horse, like this basic kind of almost basically a mule um, to pull that cart. Uh, it's not a type of cart that you can ride in because uh, all, all of your stuff is in. So it's really just kind of walking adventure for you all. Uh, and so then you proceeded to leave town, which is where we're going to be at now. So here's the fun part. We're actually going to engage <laughs> in what's called uh, wilderness travel. So uh, Zviander has a whole process called wilderness travel where like uh, everyone kind of takes on a specific role, uh, and it's whenever you're going from one place to another. Now, you spent some time in town trying to map out the best way to go, and from what you gathered, from what you learned, it's about a seven to ten day journey to a place called Edgar Key. Uh, and Edgar Key uh, is, is a location where you think you can get ferried across to uh, to, to Bachman's Ruin, right? Like, you think you can get there. So that's, that's where you're your destination basically is. And so you know you have about seven to ten days worth of travel. You collected about seven to ten days worth of rations. Um, but some of that travel, as you as you all were kind of looking at the, the various kind of hastily sketched maps that you were able to look at or communicating with the various locals or various merchants, um, you realize that only the first couple days of travel are fairly easy uh, because you're just traveling immediately north of Vicehaven. It's pretty easy. There's a path. Uh, you pass by some some farmland, stuff like that. But eventually you reach what's called the Blood, Blood Petal Forest, and then you have to go even further up into the foothills of the Egg and Salt Peaks. Um, so you know that at a certain point, the travel goes from fairly light and fairly uh, not very dangerous to a little bit more difficult, a little hard, and uh, possibly threatening. Uh, now, the wilderness travel rules require that we have People play various roles. There are three roles for wilderness travel. So who would like to be the guide? Now, a guide is somebody who is capable of navigating uh, their way around uh, around the world. Ideally, you're looking for a person with a navigational skill. Uh, so is anybody here capable of doing that? Sophia is. Anyone else? Negative. Else? Yeah, yeah. Can we everyone's drunk. Out? You're going to fail your test, but oh, uh, we're gosh. still going to put people into some roles. It's going to be very funny. Nice. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're just, you guys get the cart, wander across the bridge, across this river. You look out, and all of you are just like, this is a bad day. <laughs> this, is, this is a really bad day. Uh, very just professional. Just onto the cart so I don't fall over. Okay, so uh, so as far as I understand it then, we're going to have uh, Zofia is going to be the one that is guiding the journey. Uh, all right. Okay, so then the other another role we have is uh, what's called survivalist. This is a person who's kind of going to be taking care of the camp, 
making sure that if at any point you're looking to sort of sleep for the night or if you need to find some firewood or kind of collect some some food or scrounge some scrounge some food around that's the person who would kind of want to take care of that ideally this is a person who has a rank in the survival skills anybody around here capable of doing this also negative i don't have it? it but i have a decently high perception for okay. survival okay all right Anybody have a rank in survival? No. 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 I'm pretty sure you're all going to die within the first two days of your journey north, and we're just going to reroll characters. It's going to be great. Uh, so who would, like, who would like to do it? Someone's got to... Bruno will do it. All right, all right, all right. Um, and then finally, uh, the last role is the person who what's called a scout. And so the scout is the person who would kind of go ahead of the group. Uh, and they're going to be looking out for signs of danger. So it's, these are people who are capable of being fairly stealthy uh, to avoid detection of potential wild animals or brigands or highwaymen, stuff like that. Anybody got a skill rank in stealth? Yeah, I'll take on that role. All right, Chovy. Excellent, excellent. So we got Chovy. Now, the rest of you, there's really only three There's really only three actual roles, but you're able to assist, but you're only able to assist if you actually have a rank in the skill. So if if anybody else has a rank in stealth or a rank in survival or navigation, you definitely want to hop in on that. Anybody at all? Mm -mm. Yeah, it's rough. This is going to go. (laughs) What are your skills in? Is everyone just like gambling and combat? Ha ha ha. Joke's on you. There's not going to be any combat. I've got... uh some rumor and some guile but rumor has totally not gonna help me. you totally not gonna help you in the wilderness <laughs> didn't help me on the docks <laughs> can i intimidate the forest you might be able to that's true like it's certainly possible you see a you see a squirrel wander by and just flex <laughs> a little bit is just yeah. screaming at the trees okay uh all right so the, like i said the as you as you depart vice haven the luckily fortunately for yourselves the first day of travel is is relatively easy because you've a, you've you've traveled this before, um, and B, it's mostly path and some of it's road. As the further out you get away from Vice Haven, the less cobblestone road you actually have. It's mostly just path uh, at a certain point. But you're passing by like farmlands, uh, people who are trying to set up some sort of homesteads up here. The north side of Vice Haven isn't as fertile as the south side, but there's still people who are trying to do it. Um, and so it's really not too difficult. Doesn't really require. I'm not going to actually call for the roll check just yet, uh, simply because there's really no need. You just you just keep the coast on your left, uh, and then and go straight, right? Uh, and it isn't until you reach kind of the end of that section of, of homesteaders, maybe maybe by the maybe by sunset of your first day, like the definitely the heat is wearing on you guys. Uh, not the heat, excuse me. The cold is uh, wear, wearing on you guys. Like you're feeling this, you're getting the sweats from your hangovers. Uh, some of you are just not feeling it. Chovy gets lost like five or six times in the woods, uh, and in the where are you guys? Gets lost in like a cornfield. Just <laughs> like I don't, I don't know where anybody is. Starts wandering in the opposite direction. Three days later, uh, you find you find a new Chovy. Uh, but it's a it's a relatively easy pass. But I am going to ask for a toughness test, and which unfortunately all of you. Uh, all of you are not going to do do so well. So I'm going to ask for it in the morning after you've had. I'm going to be very kind because it's the start of our it's the start of our journey. You're going to take a little you're going to take a little breather, uh, probably on the outskirts of this 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 uh, this farmland where you're going to be able to do a small rest, uh, but it's going to allow you to recover back up to the imperiled state. Okay, so we haven't actually done our camp checks yet. So you can move your 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 damage condition track or excuse me your peril peril threshold tracks back up to imperiled. Okay. And on the second day is when stuff's really going to get going. All right. Because I didn't want to just kill you all right off the bat because you, you all were drunk. 
<laughs> no, I think that would have been funny. That would have been really funny. Like, now that you've met these characters, they all died of dysentery while trying to cross a river. So was that like a resting in an unsafe kind of thing? Basically. So when you're in, when you're doing like wilderness travel, like if you really want to rest, you do like there's this thing called make camp and make and what how how high back up you can go in your apparel threshold track is dependent upon the survivalist check when they do their roll check. And so if mm. they pass their roll check, you can get all the way back up to unhindered. But if they fail, you can only go so high. So we're going to treat it that regard so you can get all the way back up to imperil so i have a trait nerves of steel mm -hmm. when i rest in the unsafe my peril can go up to unhindered mm -hmm. would that apply here yeah sure why not okay i don't really know let's go with it yeah let's go with it sounds good to me okay uh, okay so second day second day comes around and you're waking up you're already feeling better uh a day's worth of rations hopefully someone's keeping track of rations days where the rations have gone uh, and it's time to really start start pressing forward because there's no more there's no more farmland there's nowhere clear cobblestone road uh, you can see all sorts of these different patches of these copses of trees ahead of you as the like the the distant western fingers of this blood petal forest are, are are kind of crossing your path you still have the coast on your left you know from your research that you can you can keep to the coastline for some time but at a certain point you have to start bearing northeastern um, so it's not the hardest navigational check so i'm just going to need uh who the the guide which i believe is sophia go ahead and roll a uh, uh a navigational check for me so standard okay so navigation is intelligence so 41 and i rolled an eight okay so yeah you you keep it's it's again it's a fairly simple it's simple it's not too difficult like there's not a clear road at a certain point it stops but you're able to keep like like i said the coast on your left you know that's west and you just kind of keep north for most of the day it's 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 no real problem um so after you've you've broken you've broken your small camp you continue traveling for a bit and Chovy's kind of off kind of scouting ahead not really notice anything yet the uh the forest itself is is it's not as lush here as it is further to the east. Uh, it's called the blood petal forest because its leaves have a tendency to turn kind of reddish in a way. Um, so it's just sort of its name. And it's this long, sprawling east-west forest that, that eventually goes so far east that it wraps around the capital um, of Occitan. Uh, but where you guys are at, you're just getting like these little thin stretches that you don't really, you know, you don't really see anything anymore. So as you're, as you're moving forward um, a bit, uh, you're going to notice along the way that there's a variety of uh, there's a variety of very, very small like wilderness animals and stuff that kind of are, are keeping away from you. But there's nothing really too dangerous here. It's still too too close to like civilization, too close to where these homesteads are that you don't really have to worry about it too much. But as you're passing up, you look off to the west, you look down the coast because of the ridge line you're on, and you can see what looks to be like an old shipwreck, and you have flashbacks to one of your earliest PHC jobs. Uh, your Plumhawk Trading Company jobs, and it just, uh, you remember a couple people you might have left behind here and there. Um, but I would say nearing nearing sunset, maybe a couple hours before sunset, if, as you're on your second day of travel, um, Chovy making sure you're ahead, Chovy notices and kind of calls back kind of something a little bit strange. You see a body uh, floating out in the water, face down, um, doesn't seem to be moving. It's a good... 40 feet out. Now, again, the ridge you're on is about 100 feet up off the shore, and it's kind of rocky. And the shore itself seems to be in the state of becoming high tide as the water level is kind of getting closer and closer to the to the shore itself. But you see 
far out in the distance, a good 50 to 60 feet from shore, there's just a body laying in the water. You're, again, you're 100 feet up, but you can you have a very clear view. Sun's still out as it's setting to the west. And you can see this body just sort of floating around. Um, it's, it's, it's at a distance. Why don't you get in and go ahead and give me um, give me a standard awareness test to see what you all, what you, what you can surmise from this ridge line since you're a little bit further ahead than everybody. Rolled a 30. Uh, awareness, 57, so yeah. Okay, so you got a pass. So you notice, you notice a handful of things. First, you notice the body is relatively small. It doesn't look to be too large. Uh, definitely bigger than you, uh, but that's not saying much. So, <laughs> but it definitely looks like a, a fairly small person. Isn't moving. Um, you're not sure how long they've been out there, but you also notice something else on the shore. You see a large figure that's in this kind of darkish robe, maybe like a, like a bluish greenish colored robe, um, seems to be walking along the shore out from behind what looks to be an outcropping of rock and is leading a smaller figure also in this like kind of lighter colored robe out into the water. Uh, you can, you can seem to sort of moving this figure out there. Um, as you look closely, you realize it looks to be an adult kind of leading a child uh, out into the water a certain distance. And again, you're about 100 feet up and probably about 200 feet away from where they're at. And at a certain point, you, when you're watching, everybody else kind of catches up at this point to where you've been stationed like a little bit ahead of everybody. And you kind of point it out. Hey, guys, check it out. Uh, there's a body out of the water and some, some guy with a child. I don't, I don't know what they're doing body like a person or animal? yeah they're just floating out there don't you see so yeah you pointed you out look at that yeah and as you all are kind of looking and talking um you look down and you can see again you have a very good view uh, there's some trees behind you and stuff like that but it doesn't really interfere with your with your sight um you can see this man kind of raises arms up this large the, the, the taller of the figures kind of raises arms up you can't really hear from this distance but you can kind of on the on the on the wind as an occasional coastal breeze comes in. Uh, you can kind of occasionally hear a sound as if somebody's talking in the distance. You can't determine it. Um, but seems to be gesticulating fairly, you know, fairly demonstrably with, with their arms. And after a couple seconds of that, just puts a, he- a hand on the head of this, this child that's kind of standing in front of him as he, as the man resituates the child standing, in, so staying in front. So putting, you know, putting his back, their backs are to you now and just shoves the boy under the water as they're about 20 feet out and the tide's coming in and just shoves this boy down into the water. And you can see the, the boy's arms just begin to flail and all sorts of different, uh, you know, like the, he's a kind of, he basically looks like he's in the process of drowning. Hey, Bruno, we gotta go stop them. We need to stop what this. What the hell? Does Bruno I'm see gonna... a way down close by? Uh, yeah, go ahead and make an awareness test if you want to Ooh, see. My specialty. Pull over. Pull over. <laughs> okay. I got 42 for this. Okay. We got a one. Nice. Okay. Wow. Not a, it's not a success for me, though. A one is a critical success. Not for me. Oh, wh- oh because you got, what's it called? Uh, you, you're a henchman. Hireling's right? Dilemma. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's a shame, buddy. That's a shame. Um, roll your character. Oh, wait. Um, I actually critical fail it. What? You critically fail it. Yeah. So uh-huh. as you're looking, as you're looking, you you do you 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 see what looks to be a series of of kind of what you would think are 
almost like the perfect steps, the perfect, like the footholds, like you could just kind of hop from one to the next going down. And so as you, as you try to climb down and you just start, you know, you start jumping from one to the next, oh, this is going to be super easy. You slip, you fall a little of the way and you're going to go ahead and you're going to take, uh, let's make this eight points worth of physical peril as about, as about halfway down you, one of those rocks you realize isn't as sturdy as you had hoped you had been, and you're just going to go stumbling down. Unfortunately, it's sand, so it really doesn't hurt you too bad. You don't really take any damage, but it's a, yeah, it's eight points of physical peril. Ah, show me! I'm going to try and climb down. Yeah, so the rest, of, that way. the rest of you can go ahead on your way down. You can just go ahead and make a trivial athletic chest, uh, athletics, not chest, that's not right, athletics test uh, to make your way down. Easy. Easy. Trivial is, what is it again? Trivial is uh, plus 30%. Oh, then I'm fine. Yes, fortunately, I'm fine. I rolled a 79. Wow. (laughs) But uh, I have uh, 42 plus a skill rank, which is 52, plus 30, which is 82. It's next to impossible for you to fail, but you certainly tried. I did. You certainly tried. Anybody fail? Yeah, I got 74, which fails. Okay, anybody else fail? I'm working out the math, but I think I passed. Okay, so if anybody else failed, go ahead and take go ahead and take an additional. You're going to take eight points physical peril. Uh, it's like you just kind of stumble on your way down, uh, and you are rushing a little bit at this point. But the rest of you who succeeded, you're fine. It just takes a couple mm-hmm. seconds as you carefully jump from rock to rock. Um, again, it's not like you're climbing down a cliff face. It's more just like you're trying to hop quickly down, leaving. By the way, leaving the cart and the horse up there, where I'm totally going to steal it. Uh, and at this point, you're a, you're a couple hundred feet up the, you know, like a little bit further southward the beach, but you can see him and you start running and chasing. I'm going to try and load my uh, crossbow as we run. Okay. So as you start running up, um, you start to curve around, like as you get closer and closer to him, you, you start to hear him saying words at this point. And he's, he's saying things like, Floodbringer, judge this boy. Reveal for us if he is one of the worthy. And as you peer around, you notice that there are a series of these these heavy rocks, uh, these large rock outcroppings in between the sand, right? And you're kind of darting in between them here and there. When you were really raised high on the ridge, they never really interfered with your view. But now that you're level, like you kind of have to like squeeze between them. As you're doing so, you're noticing like there's all these different like etchings and carvings in them. Like got these like sea creatures and stuff, like little like like some sort of like some sort of giant fish or shark or dare I say a crocodile. Um, and as you curve around them, you notice that who you, who you originally thought from your viewpoint that he was alone, but he's not. Standing a little bit further north or up the shore, you can see there's probably about two dozen people that have been gathered around, all of them dressed in sort of the similar clothing that the larger man is, which is this, again, this really hastily dyed bluish green gown of some kind. And the guy's still holding this kid down in the water. And all of the people that are also in that robe, you, you, when you look at them, they seem to um, they seem to have no concern and like no clear concern. And none of them are rushing out. Like there's there's a there's a, a man and a woman who are like weeping and crying right now. And then there's two others that look kind of concerned, like they're nervous, but they're not moving forward. Um, but yeah, they don't. They they they're just kind of watching this all happen. Go up to the weeping couple. Be like, "What the hell's going on over here? <laughs> who, who, who are you? Who are you? Um, don't interfere. This is this is not of concern to you." And that's uh, my woman voice, by the way. 
Oh, we were just concerned we were passing by and saw this child being drowned. It is. It is please be quiet until the ritual is oh. over. Okay. Emily what kind is of very drunk. Is this? <laughs> You're not. Are you drunk? Did you drink again? No. It's been over a day, so like your you know, hangover's warm. She's hungover really and she's it. cranky and she doesn't handle that. You're very still well. hungover two days later. Yeah, I'm like three days in. I'm still hungover. Uh, Emily is just kind of chilling off to the side and she starts yelling at that big guy. And she's okay. like, "Hey, you, let go of that kid. What are you doing?" And so as you do so, he makes no acknowledgement of you, the guy. Like, he continues to hold the boys. And his arms, the boys' arms are, st- are starting to not flail as fast anymore. They're really starting to slow down as if, you know, things are coming to a close with him. Um, but one of the other adults that were part of that, that small group that, that Bear had already kind of wandered over to um, comes up to you and very demonstrates, You will be quiet right this second. This is no concern of yours. Very, very angry. Um... A little taller than you, human, uh, has like these these really crude tattoos, like going down his neck and down his arm. Like you can kind of see underneath this loose this this loose robe. Um, uh, seems very like, you know kind of kind of tan to the point where like almost reddish. Is really scraggly beard at a certain point. Not the greatest dental work uh, either. Um, but be very quiet now. You. All right, buddy. You're not going to talk to me like that. First of all. And so. Um, at this point, the large guy that was holding the boy down lets go, and you can see that the, the, the kid's body is just laying there floating down the water, much like the body that Chovy initially saw way. At this point, when you look out, you see it like a good 50 or 60 feet away. Um, I need, Erwin, can, uh, can you please make a challenging resolve test for me? So, so let's get this this process down. Like, call it out. Like, what your what your you know what your degree of success is going to be, and then and then tell us what your role is. Oh, resolve is willpower. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so my skill is forty-one in willpower, and I rolled a twenty-five. Okay. Because it's challenging, I'm pretty sure I failed because it's like negative. Challenging is just is just uh, it's just ten percent. So oh, you're oh, still good. okay. So okay. I'm still good then. All right. So <sighs> you guys look over and you watch. Uh, as he as as Erwin had like was getting his crossbow ready, like running through the sand, he just drops his crossbow in the sand and he just gets this faraway look in his eye and he just looks off into the water and just begins to slowly move like into the water itself, like a couple steps in and he just continues to go. Meanwhile, this boy is just, just floating there. And you watch as like the tide, as the tide is coming in at this point, the tide just begins to slowly move the boy's body. Like a minute passes, and a second minute passes, and as those two minutes pass, and everyone's just kind of holding everybody up, like Emily is getting ready to throw a punch, you see the boy's body just wash up on the shore, and at this point, this large, this large figure that had been holding him down just drags him the rest of the way, flips him over, and just crouches down, into the sand next to him and just begins kind of humming to himself. He says, Great Floodbringer, is this boy worthy of your protection? And kind of leans over and just begins for us, which would be the equivalent of CPR, just starts like breathing into his mouth. And you see him really violently just slamming, slamming his fist right down onto his chest to the point, you know, like 30 seconds go by. It's like really hard slams. Like it's 
It's definitely if you tried to do this, like nowadays, you'd get arrested. But after a minute goes by, you see the boy begin to (coughs) kind of cough a little bit. And some of the salt water from the ocean begins to dribble down the side of his mouth. The man then at that point, as the boy tries to roll over on his side instinctively to sort of shoot the, the kind of the water out. Just straddles on top. All the while, you see Irwin just slowly kind of yeah. Moving. Can I go grab Irwin? Yeah. So you do. So you you just like just trudge out and you grab him, Irwin. As you were watching this all happen, like your eyes just started to become fixated on this other body that's just sitting, that's just floating out at this point, seventy-five feet out in the ocean. And as you were watching it, you noticed that it just it wasn't floating. All of a sudden, suddenly it was just just like kind of upright. You can see the shoulders. You can see the head. Of this of light, light-haired female shape, and was just kind of waving at you for a moment, sort of beckoning you into the water, and you just slowly begin to move in to the point where you get to about waist-high water when Emma just reaches and grabs you, just shakes you out of it. I need to, to get the body back. We need no, to. No, you need to get out of the water right now. Okay. This is some voodoo garbage, and you are getting out of the water right now. Go on the shore. Go stand next to Chovy. It's not a question. All right, then. Uh, but traditionally, you need to bury people who have passed. And the okay, water. well, I'm not sure that's a person anymore, so we're going to leave that be. I should clarify, you didn't see any of that. It just looks like a floating body to you. This is just... Everyone was the only one who saw something weird kind of going down. We need to bury... If it's dead, it's not a person anymore. It's a body. <laughs> At sea, when people die, if you do not properly respect them, bad things can happen. It just keeps floating. It's, it's so far out at this point. And it's the current is just sort of catching it and just keeps floating away. And you can hear the boy behind... <coughs> and the man sitting over top... Like, immediately squats on top of like almost like sitting on the boy's chest and he says no you will not you will not spit out the water let the floodbringer enter into your throat let yourself feel his power course through you very like you said voodoo shit going on um and so after a moment the boy just kind of sits there and struggling super hard to breathe. Again, not a single person from that a couple dozen people off to the side are interrupting any of this. There's that the couple that's standing next to a bear is still weeping, but they don't seem to be paying attention to the boy. They're instead kind of staring off in the distance in the water to where that other body is at this point, roughly maybe 85, 90 feet out into the ocean. Game master. Just joking, joking. Okay. <laughs> can I? Uh, can Bruno go walk over to someone in the group? Sure. Yeah. And uh, we go ahead and ask one of them. Uh, what's going on, guys? So, um, keeping yourself maybe a, a, to to a different different member other than Bear or somebody else, um, they they say it is a rite of passage. Please do not interfere. We had two who were. Who are being tested today. We have lost one, but fortunately, the Floodbringer has brought one back to us. And so, as this is all going down, as you're kind of dra- as Emily is sort of dragging Irwin begrudgingly back, you know, up the shore, and Irwin's trying to convince, like, no, we need to go get that body. 
You see the boy on the ground, his eyes open up at this point, and he begins to slowly regulate his breathing. You see the water that's kind of dripping down begin to sort of dry off, or maybe he's kind of swallowing it back in this really hideous kind of ugh. And then the big man that is, is straddling on top of them leans down, grabs the boy by the head, and then uses his fingers to, to open up the eyes even further, like by the, the eyelids, just pulling them up and pulling the cheeks down. And he says right into the boy's eyes, again, not, not even acknowledging that any of you are nearby, says to the boys, Salo will fill your heart at death, but until then, rejoice, young Alexander Kintner, for the Floodbringer has blessed you. His tides have returned you to the safety of the shores. Seawater courses within you, alongside the blood in your veins. You are marked, accepted, and may freely enter and leave the salted sea over which the Floodbringer governs beneath which haunts the great leviathan. Go now. Be received by your family and welcomed as a full member of this community. And so as he says that, he's, he kind of steps off, stands up. Little boy steps up and immediately runs towards one of the couple that was, was watching, was like really concerned, but it wasn't the crying couple that Bear went up to. And then mm-hmm. the large man turns and faces the rest of the community And he says, my friends, we have been shown this day both the great mercy of our God, but also reminded that his gifts and blessings require endless sacrifice and devotion. Do not falter in your faith. Do not weep for young Christina, who has been returned to the sea. Welcome instead young Alexander for he has strengthened our people. And at that point everyone kind of like bursts into applause, rejoicing. People start crowding around, like pushing past where Bear and Bruno were standing to just start like going over to the boy and like clapping him on the shoulder and even the boy is like smiling and happy. Even the people who were crying, like that other couple that was crying, most likely just lost their daughter is they're kind of wiping away their tears at this point. You see these begrudging kind of smiles with these attaboy pats on people's back, and everyone seems quite happy. Zofia, what just happened? Have you seen anything like that before? I try to generally separate myself from religious-type experiences, but this seems to be part of this group's rituals and... I think More it's like time a to cult. Leave. That was some weird stuff. And so, as y'all are talking, like, and you're talking right in clear earshot of everyone, the large man starts wandering, like, up to, like, where you all are scattered and just says, You who would interfere with our practices, you who would judge us for how we behave, you are not welcome here. You would go. Oh, don't worry, I'll be leaving swiftly. I'll go pick up everyone's crossbow and head over to Shore to hand it to him. Okay. Is anybody else doing anything? Sophia will engage him 
in conversation. Yeah, I felt like in combat. <laughs> <laughs> like, damn. Okay. Yeah. You're a little outnumbered, but okay. Yeah. Sure. What do you um, want to say? So, um, while I make no attempt to hide my lack of engagement with any such practice, uh, my curiosity still is piqued to wonder what the um, purpose of this experience was for these families in your group. This is initiation. It is the demonstration of the movement from childhood to adulthood. This young boy, this Alexander, has been given to the sea for judgment. The floodbringer has judged him to be worthy, and the tides have returned him to us stronger now, capable. Sadly, Christina was not as successful in her in her attempt to become a lord. So, when you normally do this, does the Floodbringer generally bring these children back to you, or is it half and half? This it seems... is the will of the Floodbringer to make this decision. We bring the children to the sea. If the tides bring them back, they were meant to be part of the community. If the tides take them away, then the great leviathan of the waters will do with them as they please. So does the tide take most of them away? I don't have any... We do not keep track of numbers over time, but some, some are taken, some are not. It is the way of life. Some live, some die. Who are you guys? We are just people. We are no one of consequence. We, we are, we have no title or name. We are, our village is up the, up the shore. But for, not for your insolence and your rudeness. Perhaps we would have invited you, but... Clearly, you have judged us before even knowing us. I imagine you all have your own practices that we would find most strange and most unsettling. Like dogs barking. <laughs> they unsettle. We, it was quite unnerving for us to be just traveling down a path and seeing what appeared to be a dead body floating in the water. It is customary, perhaps, to make inquiries before you rush to judgment about what you see. You might question what our practices are, but we wish to be left in isolation here, and we will not interfere with your ways if yours do not interfere with ours. The floodbringer will judge us worthy or not in the end, and we will not subject ourselves to your judgment. That is understood. It was a very 
difficult sight to observe for many of us who had not seen such a thing before, but generally I think we can leave this be and move on our way unless anyone else had any other points for discussion. They can do what they want to do. Uh, we better head back to the cart where we left it unattended. Oops. Um, Emily does walk up to that guy and she does ask him and she goes, you know, we're sorry for the interruption. Um, my name is Emily. Um, do you perhaps any have any idea of what was making uh, my friend here act weird and start walking into the water? So you point over at Erwin. He just sort of looks over at Erwin and peculiarly takes a look at him. I do not know this man. I cannot pretend to understand what runs through his eyes and through his mind. Perhaps, perhaps the Floodbringer speaks to him in ways that are more cryptic than the rest of you are capable of understanding. Mm. Well, I appreciate your input. Uh, we'll, we'll leave you guys be. Sorry again for the interruption. Mm. Good day to and so it's sunset, the sun's kind of going down, and so he begins to head back. Uh, everyone kind of follows along as if it's like their flock at this point. So then uh, you all kind of return to your uh, to your carts. Uh, I'm going to assign a couple points of corruption here. Uh, so essentially I'm going to give everyone straight up three points of corruption, uh, except for old Irwin. Uh, you're good. Uh, you guys did just watch a dude attempt to murder a ba- uh, a child, uh, and, and yeah. So anyway, that's fine. So you know, it was a christening. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, gone just a wee bit <clears throat> extreme, right? Jeff, we accept all religions here. Do you? That's cool. That's cool. All right. Maybe uh, those guys should get like a sign or a, maybe a tent. <laughs> Jeff, does that guy get put it over the wall? Does that guy get corruption for killing someone attempting? Yeah, but I think he might like it, though. Oh, okay. He might be okay with it. He's into it. He might be pretty cool with that corruption. So, Uh, All right, so you guys wander back a little bit worse for Are any anything going through your mind right now? I'm just kind of, I take the crossbow back from Bear, and I just kind of stare at the ground as I walk back, and we climb back up, and I'm just thinking to myself about things in the past and perhaps something that I just saw not quite understanding. Sure. Sure. Yeah, very quiet, kind of climbing back up the ridge, getting back uh, back to your horse, getting back to your cart, taking a quick gander. Everything seems to be in order. It doesn't seem to be as if any of them had moved past you. They probably didn't even know that you had it here. But you you pack up your you pack up your things again. You kind of get into your positions and begin your trek at this point. As you as you continue northward along the coast, you look off to the west, and you can see that there is kind of like a little semi coastal village going on. You see some some shacks kind of built out into the water, like these ramshackle docks. Uh, you can see from uh, from this this higher vantage point that there is a fairly large bonfire going on in the middle of the uh, of the actual beach. There seems to be celebration. Like you can hear like music wafting in from the east as uh, like each cold coastal breeze comes in your direction. Um, but looking down, like from what you could tell, I mean, there's no way 
there's no way looking down you would have imagined a child was just kind of killed recently and another child was nearly killed as everyone seemed to be very jubilant um, um, but you move on um, you travel another, another half an hour to an hour before the sun fully goes down to the west and you realize that it's time to start heading in a more easterly direction as the coast begins to, to sort of curve around instead of just going northward now it's starting to curve westward and the more and more westward you follow it the further away you're going from your destination you need to go more to like a northeasterly direction and so you start curving off uh, to the northeast um, now what I'm going to go ahead and do is I'm going to ask for, for toughness tests at this point as you've been traveling for a couple of days so if everyone can just uh, let's go ahead and give me a standard toughness test Let's see how things go. Ooh. Crit success. Look at you, 44. Buddy. Nice, very nice. I have oh, uh, total of 42 for toughness, and I rolled a 29. Okay. I'm looking for a 55, and I rolled an 81. Okay. All right, that's that's a fail. Anybody else fail? Yeah, I rolled a forty-three. I needed a forty-one. You know, you don't forget that we've got those fortune points if you wanted them. Uh, I will call. use one. Bruno does not like his roll. Okay, so just pop him over. Him right over. Thank you, Erwin. Bruno is very regretful. <laughs> <rolling again. laughs> is it a crit fail this time? Oh man! Two in a row. Oh, buddy, that's no good. Sophia also failed. Okay. All right. So those of you who failed. Uh, you're going to go ahead and take some. Uh, that's a really crappy roll. Uh, you're going to take eight points of peril. Um, as just even though the first half of the journey has been not too difficult, like the first day was quite easy, the second day uh, was a little bit more challenging as the. The, the the actual farmland gave way to slightly more rocky terrain. The further and further northward you go, the closer and closer you get to the foothills of the mountains, which means it's the elevation's kind of going up. Even the horse itself needs some time. Um, so you all kind of crash out for the night. You don't really make to, I imagine you probably don't want to make a, a huge camp or anything yet, um, but you probably just crash out for the night. Um, and when the morning comes, it's a little bit colder, a little bit breezier, uh, you wake up and uh, you start kind of maneuvering around. I need the survival. Who's the who's the survivalist again? The guy's been rolling dimes all night. Okay, go ahead and make your standards. <laughs> Bruno has got this guy's. You say it third time's a charm. Dimes are good. Third man. time is not a charm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So again, uh, if in terms of trying to recover any sort of peril, like we're not we're not doing that yet because you're not actually making camp, but that's good to know for later. And then. Um, Chovy, why don't you go ahead and give me your first stealth check as you're starting to cross a little bit more into open open land at this point, and there's it's a little bit more wild at this point. Ooh, it's that's a crit fail 99. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's a 96, bro. Oh, I read it as a 9. It's yeah, still a fail. It's very common. Uh, okay. okay. Again, if you want to, you can re-roll it since it's not a crit. It's your call. That's true. It's your call. I'm going to re-roll it, yeah. Okay. Not? Sure, sure, sure. Keep giving me those. I like getting these before combat happens. So I can use all of them in combat. Oh, I got a six this time. You got a six. Okay. Uh, so yeah, you you know, as you start traveling eastward, you do notice that there is a, a greater dearth of people. You don't really see any clear settlements at this point as you start traveling east to northeast. Uh, uh, as you're staying a little bit ahead of everybody, not so far ahead of everyone that you can't come back and tell, but you know, tell them what's going on. 
a um, handful a handful of like these wild creatures you know wild animals and stuff sounds here and there you hear like a howling etc nothing but nothing that kind of concerns you it seems to be a relatively simple stretch um and the day passes pretty uneventfully uh you're able to to kind of make it across this this land this kind of heartland here you see the 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 foothills begin uh begin to grow uh elevation kind of goes a little bit higher and by the end of the next day you can kind of hear uh the sounds of what appear to be kind of a body celebration happening up over a rise you can kind of hear the sounds of music while you know coming down this the sun's going down to the west uh you can hear sounds of string instruments you can hear sounds of uh, you know, of, of people kind of kind of laughing and singing and stuff like that. You see fires up on the ridge line uh, that's allowing you to you know see the contours that you have to follow as like a small path weaves up around it. Uh, and when you've when you've curved around upwards, you seem to have come to the western sides of one of the peaks of the Egensal Mountains, right? And you can see that you have reached this unnamed mining camp you see a little sign uh like a little wooden sign with like an etched into it just like a like a hammer and a pick nothing particularly fancy um you can see there's all sorts of people that have been scattered about uh in like these different places kind of drinking laughing singing uh playing various games and when they you know when some of them see you come up they few are apprehensive others who have probably drank a little bit more are a little bit more uh a little bit more happy to see you um but it doesn't seem to be like a full-on town. There's no buildings. You know, as you look around, it's a lot of like lean-tos, uh, like these hastily built uh, built buildings. You see um, there's a handful of fires that are going, so there's some light in the camp. Um, there's got to be at least 50 people here, you would say, somewhere in that range. Uh, mixtures of humans and dwarves and, and gnomes, a couple big ogres kind of lumbering about. Um, so is there anything you guys want to do? Jeffrey, yes, not sir. to divert the current situation. Yeah, um, I crit failed that toughness test. Is that yeah anything special? We'll talk about that later. Oh, okay, okay. Just <laughs> joking. No, you're all good. You're all good for now. Okay, yeah, I'll just wave someone down like, "Hey, ahoy! What's going on over here? Just a little party? Okay, festival." So, um, a man wanders over to you. He's got this this great big bushy beard, and he just says, "No, it's just Tuesday." Just, just, oh. just Tuesday. Um, passing through, new workers. Oh, passing through. Yeah, don't don't get many people passing through, but um, if you're friendly and you've got a bit of coin, welcome to share the share the fire. It's, come on, come on in. He kind of looks up at you because you're quite tall, and yeah. he's not. Uh, you're, you're sure two. you're not looking for work? I mean, we <laughs> could find a person of your stature. Uh, currently on a job, but might take you up for that later. So yeah, he just ushers you. You know, like kind a of business card. No, <laughs> <laughs> no he's like just uh, resume and three references, please. <laughs> um, but he uh, he kind of claps you on the back and leads you a little bit further inward, and he just starts pointing around like, so over there we've got some food. Uh, if you uh, either you've got something to trade, we'll take it. If you've got a couple rations or some found some scavenge out in the woods we'll take it too we'll gladly give you a small bow over there we've got a handful of games he just starts points out you see this group of people that are like rolling dice and things like that you see others that are like tossing horseshoes and all wow. sorts of things going on and just say yeah it's just um work hard play hard right it's, it's the phrase of course to live it? by 
What's your name? Uh, Bear. Bear. No, yeah. Nice to meet you. I have nice the pleasure of getting yours. Uh, I'm Udi. Udi. Yeah, Udi. A fine name. It's, yeah, I think it is. Uh, <laughs> I hope it's very kind. Um, but yeah, take it out off, you know. Um, you're yeah, friends of the crown, friends, friends of us. It's too dark out there for you to be camping anywhere further further away. So. True enough. Safety and numbers and all that. Yeah, you got that right. Got that right. So, uh, But yeah, and uh, anybody... You guys uh, want to camp up here? Seems like a nice little place. Change of pace. Yeah, so this is one of those situations where if you wanted to camp here, you really wouldn't have to worry about any of the negative effects of... Because this seems to be a fairly friendly place. Unless you're incredibly distrustful of these people. <laughs> what time of day is it? I mean, they're not murdering kids, but, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> no, it's it's nighttime. It's it it's, it's okay. evening. We yeah. can change that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do we see any you guys, you guys see this... <laughs> This coastal town, like a day of the West, they're freaking crazy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Jim, you're talking about Jim. Yeah, yeah, he's crazy. He just loves killing the kids. Um, but no, uh, yeah, so you you look around, and it's, it's, it's getting dark. It's, it's you know, if you can push on if you like, um, but at this point you're starting to go up a little bit further higher into the mountains themselves. So it's the, the, the terrain's going to be a little bit harder, a little bit more treacherous, and so it's probably not the best place to, to travel in the night. I'm going to uh, find uh, a place where I could perhaps get a drink. Okay. 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 Uh, so yeah, there's uh, as you wander around, there are these makeshift stills. Uh, there's not like f- there's some moonshine basically being made here. It's pretty hard, hard booze. Uh, but uh, but yeah, yeah. And it's uh, ask uh, how much for someone there. and they just kind of hold out a bucket and they ring you know they, they ring it and you just hear like coins tinkling in it and like they don't even say you know how much and they just sort of expect you know sort of like just throw something in whatever you whatever you feel like a tip jar kind of thing a little bit yeah a little bit so uh but yeah you can go ahead if you if you like uh it's a it's gonna it's some heavy you ever drink moonshine in real life yeah, it's 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 rough, buddy. Uh, but go ahead, and you can make your toughness test if you're going to drink for an hour. And again, you can always let yourself. You can always choose to fail this if you just want to become intoxicated. You can totally do that, or you can roll your toughness test to see how long you, long you, long you last. Um, there's a couple things going on here and there. There's a couple games. There's a couple people talking. So you guys going to do whatever you like right now. Yeah, let's kick it for the night. I'll just jump in some games that are going on. Okay. Sophia will join. Okay, so there's so there's two things that seems to be of the most interest to people. There's a lot of little dice poker going on, and then there's all these there's like this little uh, like horseshoe uh, like horseshoe tournament that's happening. Like people are playing horseshoes um, with. We were getting the getting the sense that this seems to be some kind of mining outfit. When you look off to the you know a little bit further to the east, you get to the east side of camp. You can see that there's a there's a path that kind of leads upwards to the mountain itself and. Um, all the people here, like, you know, like, kind of cover their faces or like covered in soot and whatnot. So these are definitely hard workers, and there's all sorts of mining equipment here and there. Um, so yeah, there's people like chucking horseshoes. There's people playing dice. Um, is there anything in particular you're looking to do? Yeah, I'll chuck some horseshoes. Okay. So it takes uh, so it takes two people. Uh, so like basically, it's a two two person team. So you need a second person. Oh, perfect, Sylvia. I'm all for it. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Little so, ones are going for it little ones <laughs> so so rude uh, okay so you wander over and um 
you know, wait for a little bit. It's like kind of when you're waiting on the playground for like the basketball team to finish. So like, you, like I got next, that type of thing going on. But eventually it's your turn. Uh, so the way this, this game is played, it's my own little design. Uh, so the way this game is played, it's two teams, two. Uh, and so what happened, have you ever played horseshoes? Yeah. Okay. So there's two teams of two and one person from each team is at each post. So you kind of split up. And so Sophia, you head to the north side. Jovi, you head to the south side. You split up and you're, you're being partnered up with these two dwarves these these kind of big hefty looking rosy cheek women um, who are just kind of staring you all down uh, a little bit taller than you and they're like oh, little ones coming for a bit of the rough and tumble right and uh, and so they kind of go off and there's a couple things you're going to need to do first of all you need to uh, decide what you're playing for like what you know if you have a bet money wise um, generally speaking you want to you want to consider your your social class right so like if you're you're lowborn you're not really throwing silver out right you're just probably throwing a couple brass and then if you're you know if you're burger you're probably throwing maybe a silver or two stuff like that so i got a handful of brass right here okay so how much you want to bet uh let's do five all right you adding anything to this sophia yes i will also add five okay so there's all right and so they'll match it so there's there's going to be 20 brass pennies in the kitty. And the next thing you have to decide upon is what do you want to play to? It's basically intervals of five. Uh, pretty common is like 15 or 20 or so. Um, so around 15 is usually kind of a good number. Okay, 15 is fine then. Okay. The next thing is you have to calculate your distance because you're going to be throwing horseshoes, uh, which is going to require you to figure out like how well or how far can you kind of comfortably throw them in an accurate way. So... Uh, your distance is going to be equal to two plus your perception bonus. This has nothing to do with like range attack or anything like that. No, 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 okay. no, no, no. So these are going to be gamble rolls, actually. Six. Okay. Okay. So just just write that down so you remember. Okay, mine's seven. Okay, so six for Zofia, and we got seven for Chovy. All right. Uh, okay, so the way it works is that there's this, it's it's a series of rounds and. Um, each side goes and they throw three horseshoes and they try to get you know as close to the, the post as possible. So I'm going to require three gamble check, uh, three gambling tests, and each of those tests are going to be uh, they're going to be based upon like your pers- like what your distance is is going to determine. It's going to kind of affect the difficulty. And so if it's your if it's your turn if it's your side's turn to throw, the other side gets to choose whether they want to try to to like taunt or distract the other team or encourage. Uh, their their partner. So, um, go ahead and both you just go, go ahead and roll a straight up D one hundred. Let me know who's got the higher. Sixty three. Sixty five. Wow, look at that. Okay, so so <laughs> Chovy's gonna go ahead and start going. So Chovy will Chovy be the first to throw, which means uh, which means Sophia, you can either choose to try to like taunt or distract the opponent, or you can choose to try to encourage your teammate. What do you want to do? I'm going to encourage my teammate. Okay, okay, that's that's so terrible. All right, all right. So uh, this, so if you're if you're trying to encourage, it's pretty simple. Um, all you're going to be doing is rolling a leadership test. It is a standard test, so a standard leadership test. I don't have any skill bring some leadership. I can do it anyway. Uh, if it's if you're, is it is it a special skill? Yes. yes. Okay, so it's flip to fail for you. Oh boy, oh boy. So it would have been a seventy-six. Okay, so it's a so seventy-six is the worst. So when you flip the fail, you take the worst of the two. Okay. So it's so it is a seventy-six because flipping it would have been sixty-seven. And what, what type was, of test was it? It was leadership. Standard. Yeah, it was a standard leadership test. Forty-five. 
43. Okay, so that's a fail. It's a fail. So what is it that you tried to say to old uh, to old Chovy over there? I'm going to say, come on, Chovy, you can do it. Oh, Put Jesus. a little power to it. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> right. Okay. All right, and so the, motivation. the other the other woman the other the other dwarf that's that's standing next to Sophia kind of looks over at her like what? <laughs> <laughs> and so instead she's going to try to taunt you, and she's going to say, um, "Are you sure you can lift them? Right, little one like you. We might have some children's horseshoes you can throw instead." And so I'll go ahead and see how that goes. That's a that's like a seventeen, uh, so yeah, that'll that'll be a pass. So now what's gonna happen is, is so when you when like someone passes like the taunt test, it basically increases the difficulty. But also, if you like you fail at your leadership, it also uh, makes it so that the that the um, what's it called uh, the difficulty of your uh, of your opponent's test is actually even easier. So when she goes to throw mm-hmm. and the teammate. And the other team is going to throw. So go ahead. And so at this point, since what, your distance was seven, right? Yes. So you get a standard test, but because you were taunted uh, effectively, so uh, it's actually going to increase it to challenging. So it's a gamble test. Okay. It's a challenging gamble test. So that's minus 10. I'll be 29. Okay. Roll 29. Good luck, buddy. 91. 91. 91. <laughs> so your first one just goes sailing wide, nearly hits Zofia right in the head. So you get a second one. You get three horseshoes. Okay. Four. Four. Okay. So the next one, you see it land really, really close to the post itself. Doesn't ring around it, but it's it's pretty damn close. And roll your third. Uh, forty-three. Let's fail. Okay. So you got one close, and then she's gonna go as well. Uh, she has standard. She has standard here. Uh, that's a fail. Uh, that's a success. And that's a success. She gets two successes, and you get one success, which means they get a point because uh, the, the, the your success and her success cancel out, and then the one remaining uh, they get. So they're up to one. Now we switch to the other side. Do you want to try to encourage? No, I'm gonna taunt. Okay. All right. So uh, so you can choose. You can kind of choose whatever you like. You can choose if you want to try to do like intimidation, or if you want to try to use a guile test, is fine. Or if you want to like flirt with them, you can try to do charm. It's up to you. You tell me what you do. Uh. I'll do guile. Okay. Okay. What does guile even mean? Uh, so guile is essentially, yeah. <laughs> what? It's gooey. Sonic uh, boom. It's gooey. Yeah. Sonic boom. Sonic. Uh, so so guile is is your ability to kind of uh, kind of lie or misdirect and kind of do all the negative. It's like it's like skullduggery, like where you do all like the thievy bad stuff. Mm. So it's like lying and, and like you know misdirecting with words and stuff like that. Okay, I'll just say, hey, you better toss a bit further. It's, it looks further than it is. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one, buddy. You got him. You got she right now is crying. Go ahead and roll. Go ahead and roll your two hundred. So it's a standard counter. Okay, I need a 45. Okay. Oh, 57. That's another fail. Okay. All right. Oh so then, uh, so I think she'll also just go ahead and, and taunt Zofia. They're just, they're taking your money, people. Uh, actually, she, nope, that's a, that's a success with a seven. So she looks over to Zofia and she says, I hope you throw better than you taunt. 
I heard a baby once, couldn't speak. Made me a bit more intimidated than you. Uh, and so, what is your distance? Well, your distance is six, so you also have standard difficulty, but because of the successful taunt, it is increased now to challenging. So we have a challenging, a challenging throw. Okay, so for- Maybe we should play to 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gamble, I'm looking for a 41. Okay. That's a 79. Okay. So yours again goes on. And you're welcome again. If you want to go ahead and use those fortune points on this game, there's money on the line. You guys are losing money. All right. And so do oh, two more. It's just fail. Master fail, Okay, I crit fail. Yeah, that's fine. And the, the horseshoe goes sailing, so you have to go chase it down. And a 63. Okay, so three fails. Three fails. And the critical fail as well. And so then she's going to try as well. Fortunately, her distance is really bad, so these are also challenging for her. Uh, that is a success. That is another success with a 29. And finally, that's a fail. So she's got two, two successes. And so they're up now to three, to your zero. All right. So then, Sophia, you're down three nothing. Uh, we're going to play to 10 because otherwise we don't, <laughs> we, I don't think we can afford this kind of hosting fee for our podcast host. Uh, so go ahead and choose again. Do you want to try to encourage? Chovy, or do you want to try to taunt the other person? Going to try to taunt. Okay. Do you have guile or charm or intimidation? Any of those three? I do not have guile. I do not have charm. Intimidates under brawn. Yeah, it's under brawn. Thank you. No. Okay. So, so any of those? So they're. And I don't. If I recall correctly, none of them are special. Uh, so you can go ahead and pick whatever you like based upon what you're saying. So what do you say to them? And then we, based upon what you say, we can determine what skill we or vice versa. I'm going to go guile. Okay. And I'm going to say... You know, insultery. Kind of sidle up and just say, like, this is just what we do. We come in. We act like we don't know what we're doing. Kind of lull our opponents, but just wait. Like, okay. this is going to be amazing. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Go ahead and roll a standard goblin. So you guys are sandbagging. So she's down. Laura Minute. Losing on purpose. Needed a 43 or rolled a 38. Okay, so that's a success. Excellent, which means that her difficulty goes up. Uh, and then you also have a standard. So you have standard tests. So roll, okay. your, so roll your three standard Here we go. tests. Here 84 fail. Okay. 45 fail. Wow. <laughs> 98 fail. Okay. Oh, no. Uh, on the bright side, her difficulty is up. First one's a fail. Second one's in the 90s. That's a fail. And then third one's in the 80s. That's a fail. So none of these miss. This is going to take a while. <laughs> play to five. So we might just first play to five. five. Uh, so yeah, first one to get a ringer. Uh, and so then, yeah, let's just play to five. Uh, so then, uh, so you're down three nothing. So it's your turn. Do you want to try to try to encourage old, uh, old Zofia or do you want to try to taunt or I'm going to taunt again. Okay. What are you going to say? You know, it's just a hustle. Uh, how about you? We double our bets. Oh, no. Okay. They will double the bet. They, <laughs> no. they will go freely. Absolutely. So now there is... Sophia looks at Juby <laughs> with a horror stricken 40 face. brass. <laughs> Two brass <laughs> points. And you're like, oh. You're down you three this. nothing. Uh, and you're uh, you're doubling the bets. And there's now, there's now 20 from each of you. Or 20 from each side, that is. Okay, so go ahead and roll. Uh, roll it. Well, you would roll your guile test to increase her 
increase their difficulty. All right. They could be a pun. Uh, crit fail. Okay. Okay. No. So basically, what that what that does is it is actually makes her her throw even easier. It actually makes it two steps easier. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's probably gonna wipe you out this time. Uh, so go ahead and roll your three, your three gamble test. Stan. It's a fail sixty seven. That is a success twenty six. That is a fail ninety five. Okay, she's gonna roll here. 46, that's a pass, or that's a success. 90-something, that's a fail. Oh, sorry, 9, that's a success. And finally, 89, that's a fail. So she gets two successes, and you get one. So again, they're going to cancel out your success, and they're up to four points to your zero. This is probably this is it right here. This, right is, this is it. This is where we come back, yes. right? This is where we come back. So, Zofia, probably the last round here, you're going to lose some some brass some brass pennies. So what are you, what are you going to do? I'm going to look at Chovy. <laughs> Charm him? I think that's only an option the other way. Intimidate uh, Chovy. That's actually what I was thinking. Not, not to... Uh, I'll allow it, sure. Not to like, derail. How difficult was my toughness test for the moonshine? Oh, for the moonshine, yeah. it is... Hang on. Uh, it is hard. Hard, which is how much negative? 20%. So I have failed that then, I believe. Okay. All right, so yeah. you're. I was gonna, I was gonna come over drunk, but then I was. I'm, in, I'm incapacitated now. So you're like, oh, already? I, I just takes one for me to fail. Well, no, failing, failing an intoxication test, all it does is make you intoxicated. Becoming incapacitated is if you critically fail it, or if you take so much peril. Oh, well, you have to do peril. Yeah, so, so, yeah, settle down, settle down, buddy. <laughs> so does that mean you wander over drunk then? Yeah, that, that, that was Ooh. the idea. Uh, so that's. 14 points of peril. Oh, yeah. Bye. <laughs> Bye, everybody. I'm, okay, inca- I'm incapacitated now. <laughs> okay, sorry. Emily, it's he's okay. just dragging him over <laughs> the Throws him over the shoulder, yeah. wanders over. Oh. Okay, so while the rest of you are watching this, this travesty of money going away. Uh, embarrassment. Yeah, absolute embarrassment. So Sophia is going to say to Chovy, there is a lot of money on the line, but there is no one else that I believe would be able to succeed for us. So you got it. Okay. All right. Bruno walks away after hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> Takes the car and leaves. Like I'm gonna go back to the, I'm gonna go back to that last village. It was way better. Um, at least you didn't lose money. Uh, so go ahead and roll your test. Yeah, they are. No, no, she's got to roll to see. Oh, if she's, she's oh, she's rolling. And what Does are they rolling for him? You? Uh, so like you're just trying to encourage him, so it's just a leadership test. Oh, that's right. Hope to fail. Yeah. Nice. That's a fail. No matter what you do with it, okay. it's a ninety. All right, go ahead. So it's just your standard, your standard difficulty. A six. That's a pass. That's, that's a pass. That's a pass. That's a pass. There we go. A seventeen. That's a pass. That's Ooh. two. Wow, look at this. Eleven crit success. Crit success. Let's go. Is a ringer, <laughs> which is three points, and so she's gonna get three rolls. Okay, so here we go. If she misses all of them, you take the pot. Okay, first one is a fail. Second, second's a five, so it's a pass. And then third, third's in the sixty, so that's a fail as well. So she gets one, which cancels out one of your other successes. So you get four oh points that's on what that. That's talking about. You get four Evened points. Up. It is now four to four. See, this, is, this is how the game was meant to be played right there. Sophia's going to yell over to Bruno. By the way, he got all of them. You should come back. 
Good job. Not after what I heard. Okay. So uh, it's four four, and honestly, like the next point seems like it's gonna win at this point. So is there something you want to try to in- you want to try to encourage her? You want to try to taunt the other woman who's going? Who's they're starting to look a little nervous too. They're like oh crap. Of- uh, just a little taunt. A little okay. T- hey, I told you. <laughs> Make keep this close. I feel really taunted. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I feel so incredibly taunted. Yeah. She she just falls down incapacitated, <laughs> crying from fear. Uh, so go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead and roll an intimidation test. Jeez. Okay. I need a 41. Okay. Oh, I could fail it. You could fail. Yeah. Okay, that actually. Works with it. And so she just starts laughing. And that makes sense considering what you said. So she just starts laughing at you and it makes it even easier for her to toss. All right, so make your three your three tests, Sophia. Fail eighty nine. Okay. That's a success twenty seven. There you go. Okay, Ooh. on the board. And a success twenty three. That's two. Ooh. Wow. Fortunately, you're making this test for her is <laughs> actually easy. So, all right. So basically, I need. Uh, what do I need? I need three. Or a success. I can count. I need need 65 or under. (gasps) That's a crit fail with a 99. Is that minus 7? 99. No. Oh. Next one is also a fail. Crit crit fail increases the difficulty. Need a ringer. And that is a 9 on the last, which is a success. So... It cancels out one of your successes, but because you've had two successes, nice. you hit five, and you all win Woo-hoo! the uh, the first round of horseshoes uh, playtesting right now live on the screen. Uh, so that's yeah. So you all win a total of forty brass pennies. Nice. Right, so we'll just split it. Okay. Dang. Good deal. Good deal. Good deal. Hustlers. <laughs> okay. Good so, game, guys. So Bruno, Bear, Emily, is there anything that you all were looking to do tonight before uh, before you kind of crash? I'm going to take inventory of what we have in our cart. Okay. All right. I'll count in the morning. Okay. And I'm just trying to check in Erwin because he was being weird in the water and I'm like mother hunting him even though he's passed out right now. Yeah. Yeah. So um, he's completely and utterly knocked out. Uh, But you all, as the night progresses, uh, make your way over to various spots available at some campfires settle in take some rest and you all can go ahead and actually move your peril condition track up as you'll sleep through the night in a relatively safe place and you can get your peril condition tracks all the way back to unhindered beautiful and when morning comes it is much colder bruno has spent some time kind of inventorying what you had looking at this you have about five days worth of rations left uh, fortunately, making this little stop here kind of helped help with that a little bit. Um, you also know that there's a couple other little odds and ends. You have like a little little kitty of of, of cash, like a little with a, that uh, that you were given by Walter to to help maybe loosen some tongues with where you're going. Um, but aside from that, you know, after saying some goodbyes to your new friends and your new uh, horseshoe competitors, uh, you begin to trek up into the foothills a little bit higher as your journey gets a little bit more difficult now. (music) 
Hey everybody, it's Jeff here. I just want to say a quick thank you for sticking through episode two of the Avengers and All Gang podcast. Uh, episode three is available right now, same place you found episodes one and two. So please go ahead and take a look at that one. Give it a download, give it a listen. Uh, and if you would be so kind, head up on one of your your podcast apps, uh, whether it's uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, whatever it might be. Uh, maybe give us a subscribe, maybe give us a like, maybe give us a review, anything like that to increase visibility in signal boosting. If you got any feedback for us, something that we would like to, you'd like us to do better, something you'd like to see more of or less of, uh, go ahead and find us on our website, thelollygaggers.com, or hit me up on Twitter at lollygaggerco. That's L-O-L-L-Y-G-A-G-G-E-R-C-O. You can also email me at jeff at lollygaggerco.com. And that's all I'm going to do for today because I promise these are going to be short. We got a little treat for you at the end regarding Erwin Ganser. So keep listening. Coda. An alienist's notes regarding young Erwin Gonzer. Attending alienist Sigma Elegnem. Subject, Erwin Ganzer, age seven, mother Nadine deceased, father Alphonse and Aunt Frieda primary caregivers, two siblings, older sister Judith, younger sister Silly. Session one. Subject appears in relative good health and is not wholly unresponsive to questions, evasive about mother, direct about father, suitably warm about his Aunt Frieda. Often maintains eye contact except when pressed about the drowning incident, with which he seems reticent to elaborate. Overly quick to confirm eyewitness testimony, even when presented with my entirely fictional accounts to evaluate truthfulness. Father and aunt report night terrors, describe finding water in sludge on subject's bed well past the witching hour. Siblings report sleep-talking, but no discernible phrases or language. Instead describe a rather guttural expression. Initial assessment... Social embarrassment and all familial pressures, perhaps feeding delusions. Father's extended absences leading to desire to create dramatic moments for attention. Session 4. Subject has begun to accept me as trustworthy ally and advocate. When presented with the full observations of his peers from the Olsvik Academy, subject has begun to express doubt about their accuracy. Note, considering the somewhat contradictory nature of their observations, this is altogether understandable. Subject confirms he and others constructed makeshift rafts from branches and driftwood along the shores of the Oxen Sea. Subject confirms he attempted to pilot one of these rafts into the deeper waters of the lake while his peers were named near shore. Subject rejects the notion of poor craftsmanship, positing an alternative theory that something in the water upended the raft and dragged him under. When pressed to identify, subject grows evasive, despondent, entering a trance-like state in which he stares out the office window at the Oxen Sea to the east. Eventually settles on the label Monster, but seems to sense my skepticism, thereafter equivocating. When asked what he is staring at, subject says the water beckons to him. Session 6. Passing eyewitness testimony proving difficult. The aunt claims to have taken her eye off the subject for only a moment while grading examinations nearby. Subject's younger sister claims her brother was underwater for an hour, but the older and more reliable sister has been consistent in stating the duration was a quarter of an hour. Academy peers report erratic, often self-contradictory timings. Additional reports suggest bodies surfaced, 
was brought inward by tide and eventually dragged ashore by the other children. Multiple peers claim to be Hero who administered Kiss of Life, but sisters insist no such actions taken, even by the aunt who appeared quite late to the scene. Consultation with Physica Renfrey confirms the obvious. Fifteen minutes is an absurdly long time for survival, likely only a minute or two. Renfrey also confirms again, obviously, that the expulsion of water in sludge is entirely common for a drowning victim, but notes with her characteristic guffaw that lake water in sludge would have cleared subject's system within the hour, and surmises night terror incidents are falsehoods at worst, or might correspond with swimming or rafting trips to lake at best. Note, subject's aunt claims most of these incidents occurred on days when subject was nowhere near lake. Session 7. Subject entirely distant today. Spent most of session staring out a window at the Oxen Sea. When I attempted to close shutters, subject reacted violently, striking me in thigh. Subject altered voice in attempt to threaten. When shutters were fully closed, subject entered fit of convulsion, spitting up lake water in sludge, ending only when shutters reopened at which point subject claimed innocence and confusion over his location. Will recommend to father committal to Academy's asylum. Psychosurgery, a likely outcome.